Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Tuesday edition of the show, and fittingly, day two of the legal tampering period in the NFL for free agency. We're going to talk about some moves that the Bucks made, and quite honestly, they didn't make too many. The one that they did make this morning was one that we all knew was coming based on reports from the day before, but we'll speculate what's going on in the future and talk a little bit about the rest of the league and specifically the NFC South. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow co-host and the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. We also have a fellow Pewter Reporter, another colleague of ours on loan from the Pegasus podcast. It is Bailey Adams. Gentlemen, thank you for joining. Bailey, specifically, you're on the show on a Tuesday. Typically, you're a Wednesday, Thursday guy, but great to get you in the mix tonight. Yeah, good to be here. It's it's nice to be on, on here with Scott, too. I think the last time might have been outside of the, the pregame shows. I think maybe yeah. maybe it was training camp might have been the last time. It was the three of us, I think. So Yeah, I think so. Good to be back on. It, glad to have you, for sure. And uh, so, listen, in full disclosure, okay, uh, Buccaneers have not made a lot of moves today. <laughs> I made that graphic this morning, anticipating maybe they'd sign a quarterback by now. Maybe Levante David would come back. Hasn't happened yet. But I will say this. The longer this free agency period goes on, and you're not seeing a flurry of moves, right? That was kind of yesterday. Now it's it's been more of like a trickle all day. The longer that Levante David is on the free agent market, the longer Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett are on the free agent market, that bodes well for the Buccaneers, right? We were there, all three of us were there in Indianapolis when Jason Light said the key word, value. They're looking for mm-hmm. value. That means cheap. So the price tag for these players, the longer they're out there, is going to come down. So that's the good news for the Buccaneers. We'd love to have some news. I know everyone's itching to see if Levante David will be back and see if there's going to be a, a veteran quarterback to challenge Kyle Trask. There will be, but the longer this goes on, folks, the more advantageous it is for the Buccaneers cap. Yeah, because a lot of players, while they do want to explore free agency, at the end of the day, it is a bit of a game of musical chairs. And you want to be the last guy standing being like, all right, uh, who am I going to sign to? Because teams will go and sign other players that yeah. play the same position. It's to an extent happening with Levante David right now. A lot of linebackers have come off the board. Yes. We spoke about that a lot on yesterday's show. You know, there's still Bobby Wagner out there, a couple other players. Yeah. But eventually, Levante is going to go, all right. I'm tired of waiting around. I'm still getting paid to be a millionaire, even if it's a bit of a cut from the season before. He's still going to get a lot of money. And if he's not going to end up signing, I know Miami, we talked about, Miami signed a linebacker. If he's not going to sign with a team that he thinks is going to be a, I was going to say Super Bowl contender, but at least a playoff contender, then then Tampa sounds like home sweet home for – uh, Levante David and same thing with the quarterback situation Bailey I want to get your opinion on it because Scott and I spoke a lot about it on yesterday's show along with Josh Capo recommend checking it out but um, when it comes to the quarterback situation Bailey seems like it's coming down to Baker versus Jacoby Brissett or brisket as uh, some were saying on the show yesterday <laughs> it seems like Tampa is a great spot for the opportunity to potentially be a starter because you're competing with Kyle Trask for that job. I think Miami would have been like another one where you don't root for injury, but Tua was so injured all the time. That's a good spot for Mike White, but that's off the board. I'm just curious, who would you take in Baker versus Jacoby? 
And um, how do you look at the quarterback position in free agency uh, this week? Yeah, I don't know that I'd go as as I don't know if visceral is the right word as you went uh, yesterday <laughs> on the podcast. That was an all time rant. Um, but I do. I'm I'm a little more on your side of the there argument. I, I prefer Baker Mayfield. And I think it's just it might be a little bit of a personal bias. I've always liked Baker. Um, and I just think from a coverage standpoint, it would be fun. It'd be more fun to cover Baker Mayfield. Um, and I also like you, like you mentioned yesterday on yesterday's show, it was more the, yeah, there's a little bit more risk with Baker, but I think it's also, you have a little bit more of the reward too. I think, you know, he pushes the ball downfield. He will, he will light up, you know, the scoreboard from time to time, I think. And you're going to get a little bit of a safer, more conservative approach from Jacoby Brissett. Not that that's not a good thing. It's not, not that he's not a good quarterback. I think either one of these guys could step in and be a good challenger for Kyle Trask and be a pretty good fit for this offense, especially when you look at Todd Bowles. You look at kind of what they want to do here with, they, you know, they're bringing Jamel Dean back. And I'm sure they hope to get uh, Levante David back at, at the right price and kind of beef up that, uh, retool that defensive line. And then you're looking at, all right, our defense is going to be the strength of our team here. Yeah. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be a defensive team. It's a defensive minded head coach. And I know there's, you know, different sides of the argument on that. But if they can do that, the defense gets to be really good. The offense does enough and complements the defense. You know, I think that's why it, it looks so it looks so probable or possible for uh, Jacoby Brissett to be that kind of guy because he will take care of the football. You know, he'll he'll get you get the job done but it might not be you know, as pretty as it would be with Baker. I, I still I see the merits of both. I'm leaning toward Baker. Like you mentioned, it's it's a good spot to land because I know the Bucs keep saying how much they like Kyle Trask. You know, They, they want to see what he could do, and I want to see what he can do. I think everybody kind of agrees yeah. on that and is, is intrigued by it, but it's also gotten to the point where it's like if, if you're an outside quarterback, you're like, you know, I could beat that guy out. Like It's, yeah. it's a, a pretty open competition. He's a second-round quarterback. You know, it's, it's going into his third year. He's played one – one game has like nine, I think it was nine, uh, pa- com- not completions, attempts. Passing attempts. In the yeah. NFL. Three for nine. And three you for look nine and you're for like, 23 yards. Right. You're like, I can beat that guy out. So it's a great yeah. opportunity to step in, challenge for that job. And you've got Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Rashad White, Kate Otten. You've got some tools around you. So it is, it's, a, it's one of those landing spots where I think it's not really being talked about enough. So let me ask you this, Bailey. The fact that, we we know that Cleveland wanted Deshaun uh, Watson, right? And they they acquired him, and he was suspended. And obviously, you know, once that that die was cast, Baker Mayfield was jettisoned, and he goes to Carolina, where he I believe was one and five as a starter. Then he gets hurt. Never played the Buccaneers because that was the PJ Walker game, right? That was the yep. the fourth string quarterback <laughs> beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty one to three, and probably their worst loss of the year. But Baker Mayfield goes one and five in Carolina, then asks for his release, goes to the Rams, uh, has a dynamic debut, winning a, a game that it was improbable because he literally had been a Ram for forty eight hours. The beat the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. Then I think they lost like the next three. But does last year's Baker Mayfield record, does that scare you at all? Does that give you any pause? Or or is that just a matter of he didn't go to some really good situations, right? He went to some poor situations and kind of played poorly because of the poorness around him. How do you how do you reconcile last year's Baker Mayfield? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think it, it probably was... I look more of it, look at it more as a wash than, you know, this is who he is. 
um, just because of the situation in Cleveland. I mean, he had taken them to the playoffs in 2020, got them to the playoffs for the first time since I think it was 2000 or 2002, uh, their first playoff win since the 1990s. And then, you know, the next year he plays through a partially torn labrum, doesn't have a great year. Not really sure to, you know, to what extent, why he even really played through that or why they let him play through that. They kind of, you know, let through that season away because of it. And then it seems like things soured and went downhill and it was, okay, where can I land? Landing in Carolina, I mean, they, they ended up being better than everyone thought, but that was more toward like the second half of the year with, yeah. you know, um, you know, the, the interim coach, Steve Wilkes. I just didn't think that was a great situation for him. He didn't really have many options. You know, that's where, you know, one of the, the quarterback needy teams, one of the worst teams in the league. And then again, you know, you, by the time he gets to LA, it's Matthew Stafford's hurt. Cooper cups banged up. That team is kind of just in shambles versus what it was the year before. Right. And so I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, I'm excusing everything and all of the play that Baker had uh, last year, but I think part of it is just, it was not a good situation and he would be stepping into a much better situation mm-hmm. in Tampa with the weapons I mentioned and with an offense from Dave Canales, who you know wants to make it friendly for the quarterback. Yeah. I think there's been, some interception issues with Baker in the past. That's why it's a little bit it kind of gives you a little bit of pause because you want a yeah. quarterback who can take care of the ball. That's what Canales talked about. But it's it's one of those things where, okay, you know, you've got to kind of drill that into him a little bit. You don't want to take a, that aspect of him completely away and say, don't take any risks because it kind of makes him who he is, the kind of the upside player that he is. But you also rein that in a little bit and say, hey, we're going to set you up to succeed. We're going to get you uh, your open receivers and it's going to work out better than it did back in Carolina and LA. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why the Bucks are hoping that, you know, Baker Mayfield, if he does come to the box, certainly not a uh, foregone conclusion at this point, but they are hoping right. that Baker follows the Drew Brees model of, yeah. you know, they had very similar numbers. I believe Peter reports, Adam Slavon was the one writing about this. They had yeah. very similar numbers when Brees was with the chargers and then came over to the saints right. similar with Baker Mayfield. Let's remember a long time ago, but, you know, Brad Johnson was a journeyman around the league before he came to the Bucs and, and yeah. won a Super Bowl. And we all know what Dave Canales did with Geno Smith last season. So yeah. there is the hope that, you know, maybe either whether it's Baker or Jacoby Brissett, that that quarterback can kind of follow that same kind of uh, system. Yeah. But can't talk any further before we get to this super chat by Teddy. Thank you so Thank you, much, Teddy. Teddy, for the $20 super chat. He says, man... I know it's not happening, but the more time passes and other teams bow out, the more perfect of a landing spot we look like for Lamar. Home state slash tax-free advantage, legit receiving core, solid defense, weak division. So part of the reason why there hasn't been an offer to Lamar Jackson just yet is because the Ravens obviously have a chance to match it, and they have five days to make a decision on that. So you're kind of screwed if you're a team and you say, all right, we're going to commit all this money to Lamar Jackson. Therefore, you can't really pursue other free agents in this legal tampering time because you have all this money allotted to Lamar. Then you wait five days later and the Ravens go, all right, F you, we're going to match it. Now you're five days behind free agency and you still need to get that quarterback. So that's why you haven't seen the deals yet for Lamar. Well, there's two things, dude. Number one, teams can't talk to Lamar until Wednesday, right? I mean, even during this legal tampering period, because he's franchised, they cannot talk to him because he is technically property of the Ravens. So it's not like he is even a free agent at this point. So teams can't really talk to Lamar until 4 p.m. tomorrow. Um, however, we all know that that 
you know, teams do. I mean, it got to the point where the NFL had to open this this yeah. open <laughs> negotiation period because it, it, it was tampering happening starting at the combine, right? So th- that that's kind of like the the dirty little secret of the NFL. The other thing too is is Baltimore does not have an answer at quarterback, and they're picking so low they're not going to have a quarterback option outside of Lamar. And I think it, when it comes to to you know John Harbaugh, he wants Lamar back. Uh, Todd Munkin came there because of Lamar, the offensive coordinator. So a lot of teams have the inclination that if they're going to be offering a contract to Lamar, they're literally doing the Ravens work for them. And so I think that's why you've seen a lot of these teams, Atlanta included, already publicly bowing out saying we're not going to entertain this because we know that no matter what offer we put on the table, the Ravens are going to match it. And and uh, all they're trying to do is trying to get a team to offer Lamar contract so they know what Lamar is technically worth. So it's kind of like letting Lamar hit free agency, but not really hit free agency, not truly be free because they'll have the right to match that offer. It's sort of what the Bucs did with Carlton last year, with Levante currently, with Jamel Dean slightly. The Bucs are just being way less rude about it than the, uh, than the Baltimore Ravens are. And, Part of, the, part of it is because the Bucs don't have all that guaranteed money. And let's remember, they are planning down the road because you have Tristan Wirfs coming up. You have yeah. Anton Winfield Jr. coming up. And more specifically, more recent, uh, you know, Devin White. They have to make a decision on that. But Devin White could be another one that obviously is looking for that extension, that big contract. Now, I'm just curious. Again, this is more of a hypothetical in the NFL, you're really not going anywhere unless you have a quarterback. And if they even thought about Lamar Jackson, that means you're not – you can't sign Antoine Winfield Jr. to a long deal. Same with uh, same with um, Devin White and, and Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. But is it worth losing all of those guys to get your franchise quarterback where you know, all right, those first two years we might be struggling a little bit. But once we get that figured out, once we have our quarterback for the next, hopefully, decade, it's easier to find everything else and put that into place. It, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is, is that a reasonable way of thinking? Or is it even worth losing Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Whitfield Jr. specifically to find your next starting quarterback for, let's just say, at least the next five yeah. years? I'll chime in real quick, then I'll let Bailey take this. The one point I want to make is... I would feel better about going after Lamar Jackson if he was going to, to stay healthy. The fact that yeah. he has has ended the last couple of years injured, where he hasn't even been available for the postseason because of injuries, that gives me pause. Because part of his game, a, a large part of his game, is his ability to run the ball and make plays with his feet. And that's where he, that's when he gets hurt. And so it's a double-edged sword. This is a quarterback that has a pair of back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, but not over the last two years because he's been hurt and has been unable to finish the season. Say what you want about Tom Brady and his play last year. Tom Brady did not miss a single game at age 45, 44, or 43 in Tampa Bay. So as Dirk Cutter famously once said, the greatest ability in football is availability. Mm -hmm. You have to have that as a quarterback. And Matt, to your point – Quarterback is the most important position. If you don't have one, you're not going anywhere. Well, if you have a quarterback and he's on injured reserve or if he's on the bench sideline with injury, 
is not helping you regardless. So that's the only thing that would give me pause is the last two years we've seen Lamar Jackson still in his prime, but not being able to be there in the postseason or, as was the case last year, help this team get to the postseason. Uh, we do have a little bit. Uh, sorry, Bailey. I, uh, the Bucks have some breaking news. That's the only reason All why right. I would cut you off. What do we have here? Yeah. And Bailey, then love to get your. Um, well, actually, we got a super chat as well. So if you're super chat us, well, you break the news on the show. Thank you, Cody <laughs> Haynes Music, for the 199 super chat. Says Bucks just re signed Aaron Stinney. Here we go. I'm seeing uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is reporting. They are uh, re-signing signing right there to a one-year <laughs> deal. It's worth up to $2.5 million. That doesn't mean the Bucks are paying him $2.5 million. I'm sure some of that is um, incentives and, and things of that nature. So Bucks beefing up the um, offensive guard or offensive line situation yeah. with the departure of Shaq Mason. Bailey, please give us your thoughts about quarterback, and then we can transition back to the offensive line. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, that is news that we needed to get to. But yeah, going. I mean, going back, it's the whole thing with Lamar is like, everybody's shocked that people aren't jumping all over this former MVP, right? And and to an extent, yeah, I understand. Like he is a former MVP. He's, he's a dynamic quarterback. He's really, really good. But as you mentioned, he hasn't made it through the past two seasons, and that's enough to kind of give you pause. And then Matt, as you were mentioning, is it worth all this guaranteed money? You give him this money, you lose say Tristan Wirfs, you lose him, you can't re-sign him to an extension. You're now, with, with the offensive line kind of already in flux, you're eventually going to have to replace your tackle, your all-pro tackle. Isn't that going to leave your you know superstar quarterback who loves to run the ball or loves to loves to be mobile? Isn't that going to leave him open to potential, you know, even a further potential injury issues? So it's just one of those things where it's like, given the Buck situation, it doesn't make the most sense. Like I, I think there's there are elements of it that do make sense for the Bucks. It would be nice to see. It would be you know a huge splash, and it would it would have them looking, you know, like a, a true contender in the NFC, not just the NFC South. But I don't think that it would make make the most sense given the state that the roster's in, given all the money, and given you know what they might lose if they do take on all that money. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line next. But first, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about our favorite energy drink and some of their new flavors. That is Celsius Energy Drink and specifically the Fantasy Vibe and the Sparkling Lemon Lime. I mean, the Fantasy Vibe, it's like drinking an orange cream skull. We know Bucks fans love cream skull, whether it's the flavor or the jersey. Let's remember, they're going to be wearing a cream skull jersey this That's season. Right. Very excited for that. Check out the Fantasy Vibe and the Lemon Lime. Uh, where can you find one? And here's Bodega. Um, Bodega. Go to the store locator. Scott and I can both advocate, and Bailey as well, that we can all advocate that we used the store locator when we were in Indianapolis for the Combine and found Celsius with ease. So make sure you do that. Punch in your address in the store locator, and you can find one near you at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your Bodega, as I like to say. Bodega. Seven essential vitamins. Zero sugar, uh, no crash or uh, no crash or post energy drink jitters that you might get with uh, you know other products out there. Of course, the vibes are always high with Celsius and with this show, Pewter Report Podcast. So check out the Arctic Peach and Tropical vibes as well. So many awesome flavors from the sparkling watermelon, Fuji apple pear, the original orange, the uh, strawberry lemonade. I've been drinking that a lot lately. Sparkling wildberry as well. Um, go to Celsius.com, or if you want to get them in bulk, get the variety pack. It's variety spice of life. Enjoy multiple different flavors of Celsius. Go to Amazon 
and do the subscribe and save. Have it sent to your house or apartment every week, quarterly, uh, you know, yearly if you want to. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. All right, let's talk about this offensive line situation. We just talked about the news. Aaron Stinney signs on a one-year deal up to $2.5 million, a relatively cheap deal. Not that there was going to be a big market for Aaron Stinney, given the fact that he was um, injured in the preseason in Indianapolis, ironically enough, where we yeah. just were, and was out for the whole year. He adds to the battle royal, as we are coining it, um, that will be competition for guard this year. And the reason that there is competition for guard is because earlier this morning, the Bucks executed a trade with the Houston Texans, sending over Shaq Mason um, to Houston in exchange for uh, the team swapped seventh round picks, and the Bucks got a, a sixth round pick from the Texans as well. Pretty good considering that they were going to cut him anyway. So you end up getting a sixth round pick. I believe the Bucks spent a fifth round pick the year before to get Shaq Mason from the New England Patriots to block for Tom Brady. So you got a little bit of value out of something that you were ready to move on anyway. And um, it just it just makes it apparent that it's going to be a battle between Nick Leverett, Robert Hainsey, Luke Gett. Well, we'll see what happens with Luke Gettick. He can still play tackle. And now Aaron Stinney in the mix. I know people haven't talked about Stinney. I mentioned him a lot yesterday uh, on the show. Yeah, you did. He was a starting offensive lineman for a Super Bowl winning team and on that playoff run. Is he the best offensive guard in the league? No, he's not. But I think he's more than capable of getting the job done for the Bucs on the offensive line. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens come training camp. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because Stinney was a player that that was probably just about not going to make the team last year, even if he, before he got hurt in, in camp. But um, the interesting thing is, is he can only play guard. Right. And, you know, and, and, and now you've got a situation where without Shaq Mason, you need a guard. And this is a player that has some experience playing guard. He's not terribly versatile. He can't play tackle. He really can't play center, but you have enough players that can do that. Brandon Walton can play guard or tackle. You've got uh, Robert Hainsey that can play center or guard, right? So uh, now you maybe have the luxury, kind of like with Shaq Mason, right? But where you, he's just a guard, but he can step in and and fill that void. And uh, there's no guarantees he makes the team, though, right? If, if he uh, if, if they draft the guard high, maybe like say Steve Avila in the second round at a TCU then he's got a, a fight for a job. All right. He's got to probably battle out Nick Leverett. Nick Leverett's also a player that can play multiple positions. He can play tackle in a pinch. He's best suited to guard, but he can also play center. So interesting piece. It replaces some some of the experience that you lose with, with Shaq Mason, but Stinney has some experience in Tampa playing guard, and uh, he's back for at least uh, another training camp in preseason. We'll see what happens after that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to me, I think, you know, because you just add another body into the mix in terms of the competition for those guard spots, because now you have two open guard spots. Of course, Nick Leverett coming back as a uh, restricted rights free agent, exclusive rights free agent. Um, and then you have Robert Hainsey, who's out there training with AQ Shipley again, as you saw in the Pat McAfee yes. show today. Let's yeah. bring that um, up. Yeah, and, and, I mean, AQ, they, they even kind of made a glancing reference to it, saying, you know, those got those the guard spot open over there, and 
saying how that that's that's big for Bob Hainsey because you know he's going to be possibly in the mix with Ryan Jensen back at center. And I was kind of curious to see if that was going to be the case because Hainsey, I think, did a reliable job as a backup center last year and was wondering if they would move him over to guard or if they would kind of keep him as a backup center. I know he's a third-round pick, so I think you kind of want to get as much as you can out of him, and that's probably why he's in the mix at guard. But having so many guys, like Scott mentioned, having so many guys that can kind of move around the line will help in terms of maybe they don't have a true backup center, but they have multiple guys who can back up Jensen should an injury arise again. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting battle because there's already, what is it, three or four guys in the mix for two spots, and you know there's probably going to be some more. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Hainsey should compete for one of the starting guard jobs, and if he wins it flat out, let him start at guard. I mean, I understand the idea of keeping him in case Jensen is injured at center, and then you have your guy good to go. But I'd rather, if he's the best guy for the job, keep him at guard, and then you have either Stinney or Gedeke or... If they draft a guard early in this year's draft, maybe they don't crack the starting lineup right away. You have another guard waiting in the wings where, unfortunately, if something does happen to Brian Jensen, you could just bump over Hainsey to center and then implement uh, another guard um, in the position that Hainsey was playing. I don't. I think you got to have the best product available. I understand that an injury could happen to Hainsey, and then if something happens to Jensen later on in the season, you're a little screwed there. But, you know, this is a this is an odd moment and situation that the Bucs are in overall. Brady's gone. You have a new quarterback coming in. Yeah. Your coach is kind of on the hot seat, but no one's really flat out saying it just yet. You have right. a new offensive coordinator. It's a weird time in Tampa right now. Like, there's some transitions going on. You don't know if Levante David's going to be back. I think at the end of the day – you have to put the best product on the field. And if that means Robert Hainsey is the right guy to start at left or right guard, you have to do it and not worry about, well, if this guy gets hurt and that guy gets hurt, it's football. NFL players get hurt all the time. And Dave Canales, actually, when we got to speak to him, we spoke to him, he was up at the podium in his introductory press mm -hmm. conference. And then getting to speak to him a little bit more, he really talked about the importance of training, not just the top one and two, but the three, four, and fifth guys when you run into that situation. He specifically yeah. talked about Thomas Rawls at running back when he got that opportunity with the Seahawks when other guys were injured. I think it, I think it goes across the board, not just offensive line, but every position on the team, and I think that's how the Bucs should approach it. Yeah, and I think, too – you can sit there and you can keep drafting guys, right? You can draft another quarterback to compete with Kyle Trask. You can draft another guard to compete with Robert Hainsey and Luke Gedeke. At, at some point in time, though, you've got to let your draft picks earn their keep. You've got to see fly. what you have, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, get, you got to kick them out of the nest, see if they fly. And so I, I think that's what this year is. And I'm writing about this on my SRS Fab 5 on Friday, a little sneak peek. It's just that, that the Buccaneers have got to see what they've got in-house with some of these players that have kind of been, you know, buried on the depth chart, so to speak, right? I mean, remember, they drafted Joe Tryon Shoenka when they had Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. They drafted Kyle Trask when they had Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert. So mm -hmm. um, they drafted Robert Hainsey when they had a, a Pro Bowl center and, and you know, Ryan Jensen. So, at some point in time, you've got to let these guys see what they can do. And unfortunately for, for Robert Hainsey, he got that opportunity last year. Not that the team wanted him to even have it, but he stepped up and stepped in at the center spot. 
and played adequate football. I don't, I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't up to the level that Ryan Jensen, a pro bowler played at, but at the same time for a guy that had never played in the NFL outside of a handful of snaps at uh, center in his rookie season, filling in for, you know, and this is in the Miami game. That was a blowout, right? So he got some yeah. snaps there in place of Brian Jensen in the fourth quarter of mop-up duty, uh, kind of like we saw with Kyle Trask against the Falcons in Week 18 last year. But this is the year where you have to let some of these draft picks play. And at the same time, you can't bank on them being full-fledged starters or future pro bowlers. You have to continue to draft competition. And I think that's not going to stop the Buccaneers from drafting a guard. It's not going to stop the Buccaneers from drafting the right quarterback if the right quarterback is there at some point in time in this draft. It's not going to stop the Buccaneers, even though you have Shaq Barrett coming back and making $18 million this year from a torn Achilles with, with his age being 30, and you have Joe Troy and Shoenka, who's really got to earn that first-round draft status this year after two you know, kind of like okay but not breakout years doesn't prevent you from drafting an outside linebacker to challenge one of those two guys. You have to keep adding to your roster, whether it's competition for starting jobs or it winds up being depth. But you got to see what you have in Keyshawn Vaughn and Kyle Trask this year and Zion McCollum and, and these players that you've invested draft picks in. And that's the kind of the one thing I just want to say of when we were talking about Baker and, um, and Brissett yesterday and a little bit on today's show, you know, one of the things we talked about that was a knock against Baker that he might not come in and be like the friendliest guy and not want to learn together with Kyle Trask. And I was thinking about it a little bit more today. And the two things that really popped up for me is one, you know, this might be Baker Mayfield's last chance. So with all due respect to Kyle Trask and being buddy, buddy, it's like, dude, this is my last shot. Like, yeah. If I don't win the starter job here, I right. might be out of the league. And two, Kyle Trask is going into year three. How many more years does he need to have a red shirt season? Right. Or like how much more development does he need in terms of learning the lay of the land in Tampa and how to, and how to be an NFL quarterback? Right. Everyone's on the same playing level right now because it's a new offense. But it's year three for Kyle Trask. He's only technically here for two more seasons. So right. you either got to figure it out now or he never really will. I do agree with you. This doesn't preclude the Bucs from drafting certain positions, most notably offensive guard, given the moves that they made today. Bailey, I'm just curious. You don't really have to name like a specific player, but would you be okay with the Bucs drafting an offensive lineman or a guard in round two? Or do you think that kind of moves them back a little bit now, given that you already have three guys in the mix? I think it, it may not. And the way I would approach it is that it would bump it down the, the priority list a little bit for me. I think it, it would make more sense, I think, to go with a bigger need early on, and then maybe you find a gym later in the, in the draft to, you know, yeah, throw him in there in the competition. And, you know, obviously you're going to like the player if you draft him and, you know, you give him a shot to compete for that guard spot. But I think that's one of those things where it's like, if a guy in the late rounds is a gym and you find him, he's like, all right, cool. This is the guy. And he surprises you, wins the job then it's, it's even more value that you got a starter in the late rounds. But with, with the guys they already have in the mix, I think you almost let them duke it out, and then you know you, you address other needs earlier on. Yeah, it's really interesting this year, right, because th- there's a weird dichotomy going on. The Bucks' defense last year was the strength of this team. When the Buccaneers' defense held opponents to 21 points or less, 
uh, that happened in 10 games. And they were seven and three in those games. That's winning football, right? If you go seven and three, like that's, that's well above average. That's winning football. Um, you're not going to do that every time. You're not going to hold opponents under 21 points all the time, unless you have some Herculean defense, like the Bucks uh, 2002 defense, which was littered with pro bowlers and hall of famers. Uh, so in the modern day, you know, you're going to have some of those games, even, even your defensive is the strength of the team is going to be involved in a shootout. You need to score points to win. Having said that the defense Todd Bowles, that side of the ball was the strength. However, that's where most of the free agents are, right? Especially on the yeah. defensive line. Akeem Hicks, Will Golston, we've already seen Nacho leave to go to the Giants, Deidre and Sanat, Pat O'Connor. Right now, there's only two, you know, defensive line. There's there's other players, but they're practice squad guys. But there's only two guys on the active roster in the defensive line room that are under contract. That's Vita Vea, who's a proven player, is a Pro Bowl caliber player. And then Logan Hall, who was the first pick of the Bucks last year, Really kind of took some lumps as he's, you know, a little undersized. He's got to gain some weight this offseason. He'll be counted on to step in as a starter this year, and we'll see, you know, if that happens. But it's interesting, right? Because most of the free agents are on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yet, yet the offense was the weak link last year, right? <laughs> and so that's the that's the point where the the scoring dipped from 30 points per game to 18 points per game. That's a 12 that's almost two touchdowns. That's a, that's a huge differential, right? So it's like, where do you put your draft picks? Where do you allocate your, your resources? You need to help the offense score some more points. You can't bank on uh, as much as we want to hype it, as much as the Bucks feel good about it. Um, this, this quarterback friendly offense that Dave Canales is bringing. We have to remember Dave Canales is unproven as a play caller. There's going to be some mistakes. Even Matt, you know, he talked about that uh, it, after the press conference when he when he was sitting in the in the room with us and and um, and having kind of like that, you know, off the record to kind of talk about, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to take some lumps. I, you know, I'm going to make some mistakes. First time doing this, that's to be expected." But guys, where where do you cast your lot with these draft picks? Do you beef up the side of the defense because you got to fill some of those slots uh, with with uh, some 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 you know uh, vacant holes, or do you really add to the offense because you couldn't score points last year, or do you do you leave that to Dave Canales and cross your fingers and hope that this new system works with the existing talent you have? Bailey, you could take this one first. <laughs> Unless you don't want worry, to. <laughs> no, I'll take it. I think the worry is that if you try to beef up the defense and you leave all of that to Canales, you could have a repeat of what happened last year. You know, if, if things don't go well with Canales, it, it could lead to another year of an inefficient offense and a defense just trying to cover up all the holes. Um, and I don't think it's going to be necessarily as good of a defense as they had last year. Not that it was perfect or anything. I think it, it there were some games that though, that that group kept Tom Brady and the offense in the game and covered up for, you know, some of the deficiencies, whether it was, you know, play or you know play calling whatever it was um, whatever you want to want to say it was so I, I worry a little bit that it would be kind of repeat of that but then again the defense needs like the defense needs the help I think especially along the line um, and you kind of have more of the pieces you know at receiver you have you know you're gonna have to patch this offensive line together 
uh, and find the right quarterback. But the defense at, at this point needs bodies on the defensive line, and you need to start getting younger, you know, in terms of the pass rush and just overall that that interior of the line finding somebody to go along with Logan Hall and Vita Vea. So it is. It, it's one of those things where it's like I think the Bucks have to define what their vision is for the next couple of years because I think there's it's kind of all over the place right now. I'm not saying that it is internally, but when yeah. you kind of look at it from out here, it's like I, I, they could go so many different ways. And I think if they pick a vision and they kind of stick to it, that's going to be where they make their money. I'm going to give my answer in just a moment. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Preparing for tomorrow today. Well, that's exactly what Jason Light and Mike Greenberg are doing with the salary cap. Uh, Greenberg and Light, they're trying to be very prudent. They're trying to plan ahead so they can stay ahead. That's what you should do. But since we're not in the football realm, in other words, we don't own the Buccaneers or work for the Buccaneers, neither do you, you need to let Immunity Financial help you out. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning. Brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. They can help you all across the country. You don't have to be from the Tampa Bay area or from the state of Florida. They've been helping clients across the country from 1980. So do what I did. I've got most of my financial investments at Immunity Financial. Give them a call today. Tell them Scott Reynolds sent you. 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. So to to get back to the topic, um, the way I look at it, really, I trust Todd Bowles to still have a solid, formidable defense, regardless of who's there. And we're already going in knowing he's going to have Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean as your top two corners. And I think Todd Bowles, assuming that they're going to take like a safety in one of the early rounds that he can move around with, whether it's Brian Branch or Sidney Brown, I had in, in my mock draft. Todd Bowles is very capable of working with either a rookie safety slash defensive back or a defensive back that maybe has to come in last minute because of depth or an, an injury. I go back to a couple seasons ago when Richard Sherman came in and like immediately first game before he got injured. He had a fumble recovery and like had an impact play. And you had guys coming off the street, Pierre Desir, uh, D. Delaney, who's still with or could be with the team, but has been with the team the past couple of years. So I trust Todd Bowles, regardless of who comes in the secondary, regardless of who comes in along the defensive line. Todd is going to get a pretty good defense out of it. Where they will excel, not exactly sure, because they used to be great in stopping the run. Then they struggled in stopping the run, but still. They were the reason why the Bucs were in every single game. It was the issues on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. So because of that, I think the Bucs, while they'll pretty much balance everything out in the draft and free agency, I think you have to cater a little bit to the offense now. Just because new offensive coordinator that hasn't called plays before, we're all pretty optimistic about him, pretty high on Dave Canales. 
But, you know, preseason for the players this year, it's for the offensive coordinator more than uh, more than anything else. I think you got to figure out what you're going to do at left tackle. And they could really use another tight end, obviously a speedster, uh, either wide receiver or just another running back that is able to be a game changer. So I think you have to address the offense a little bit more just based on it's a whole new situation where the defense, you got your core guys and you have your play caller. If Todd decides to call the plays. You have the guy that's been in charge with that over the last couple of seasons. So I think the answer yeah. is offense when it comes to that. Well, um, I want to address this point here from Kenneth because this is good. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, to me, are good for eight games. Both of those players experienced yeah. with injuries through time. Uh, yeah, they have experienced injuries. Uh, they've got Zion McCollum in the hopper. He's a young developmental talent. He is best as an outside corner. I think he's he's going to make a big leap from year one to year two. He's a fantastic athlete. Uh, it's a big jump from college to the NFL. It's a bigger jump when you're going from Sam Houston to the NFL. And I expect him to make some, some pretty big strides here. At the same time, this is a very deep draft at cornerback. They're going to draft a cornerback, probably not in the first round now with Jamel Dean back, but look for a cornerback on day two. I would say rounds two, three, or four. That's kind of the sweet spot for the cornerbacks in this draft. Eli Ricks from Alabama, Julius Brents from Kansas State. Those are a couple of guys that fit Todd Bowles' scheme uh, to keep an eye on. But speaking of defense, I want to get your guys' take on this. What we've seen is the Buccaneers have not done much in free agency, and that's to be expected, right? I mean, they've, they've lost Rakeem Nunez Rochas so far. Um, believe it or not, folks, that, that, that's a move that has really, really agitated and aggravated the Buccaneers. They love Nacho. They were surprised that a 30-year-old backup got the money he got from the Giants. They wanted to keep him. That's what I, I heard today. They're they're really pissed off because Nacho is one of those guys that brings the juice. He brings the energy. Yep. You guys have both been at training camp. He's the energizer bunny on defense. The the number two guy is Carl Nassib in terms of bringing the juice, right? So I think now this probably helps Carl Nassib's uh, bargaining power a little bit with the Buccaneers because Nacho was that juice guy along with Nassib. Now they can't have Nacho back. They've got to have Carl Nassib back, I think. In terms of the signings, they've signed two players, Jamel Dean, uh, Aaron Stinney. We talked about what this podcast would be about. We said Bucks making moves in free agency. Technically, they've made moves now. They have two moves that they've made outside of trading Shaq Mason. They've signed Stinney, which, Matt, you know, when we used to do the show together, you and I, every yes. time we, we would come on, <laughs> they'd break some news. We broke some news tonight, Aaron Stinney, back with the Buccaneers. But I want to get your guys' opinion on this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been idle, especially compared to what the Panthers, the Saints, the Falcons have done in free agency. But what we've witnessed over the last 24, almost 48 hours is the decimation of the Saints, especially up front. Dennis Allen, the head coach, losing three out of his four defensive starters. David Onyemata, Shot Tuttle, um, Marcus Davenport now is gone. And some of these defections have come within the division. yeah. So I want to get your thoughts on the Panthers and the Falcons just ripping apart the Saints uh, in this division. It's it's kind of like, you know, you've got a lion, right? Then you got the jackals. They're all kind of feasting on this dead carcass that may be the Saints because all their money is tied up now in Derek Carr. 
Yeah, the Falcons and Panthers are playing this really fun game of who can take the most from the Saints. And uh, they're both winning right now, which means Bucks fans are winning too. They are ripping the Saints to shreds. And it's funny because last Thursday's episode, I was talking with Adam Slavon, who we call Sly on the show, and we were kind of ranking like on paper, who's the best. And I have the Saints towards the top because, and Adam was making the point that they have a lot of, um, you know, especially defensive players that are, heading into free agency and i was thinking like they'd be able to keep like one or two of them but nope like they're all leaving (laughs) and all staying the division so i am definitely going to have to reassess that because the saints that was like their strong suit going into it before Derek carr was the fact that they still had a formidable defense and it was really just a question of yes their defense is older guys like demario davis when are they going to you know fall off the other side of it and where age is really going to catch Cam up Jordan to too, right? And Cam I mean, Jordan still and a I good player, that but was gonna be next get up season. There. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was going to be next season where age was going to catch up to the saints, but if they don't have their guys, it's going to start with them now. And, you know, I know they just re-signed Michael Thomas to a one-year deal, but nothing about the saints offense really worries me, especially given the, the Alvin Kamara right. situation. Um, the Panthers, they have no one on offense either. After trading DJ Moore, I know, and they're going to have a rookie quarterback. <laughs> and Atlanta, going into this, was the worst out of all the teams. They've been signing people left and right. The division is still very much yeah. up for grabs for every single team. Yeah, I think you're you're kind of seeing it like it's like a cycle where you know everybody's making these moves. The Bucks might maybe not so much so far, but when he started this, it was like you mentioned, Matt. <clears throat> maybe the Saints were maybe the top after they got Derek Carr. And then you've seen them lose a bunch of free agents. Now it's kind of the Falcons and Panthers coming around. Maybe the Bucks will make some moves. The Bucks might be. It really is. It's going to be wide open. And you kind of look at the Saints and you're like, what? what's happening there? Because yeah. they lose all those guys and they paid Derek Carr all this money. And Derek Carr, you know, I have said in the past that, like, I think he's better than people give him credit for, but he's still not that great. Right. He's not he's not going to I don't think he's going to win you a Super Bowl, especially yeah. You know he's not going to carry you to a Super Bowl the way some like elite quarterbacks can. So it's it's weird it, it, the way that they put all that money into Carr just to to what win the division and go out in the first round. It's kind of what people are right. talking about with the Bucks, where it's like, yeah, the division's really weak, but if they're good enough to win this weak division, where is that going to take them? And there there's some merit to that. But again, you know your 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 goal is to win, and you're going to try to win the division, get to the playoffs, and then make some noise. But it's it's interesting right now with this division because none of none of these teams in the NFC South feel like they're anywhere close to a Super Bowl. Yeah, let's remember the Bucks went seven and nine and won the NFC South. So even as well, eight up and in nine, the air, Matt. Yeah, me, sorry, eight and nine. Yeah, I forget. <laughs> sorry, my bad. Um, so if come they on can, now, Matt, we won. They, we went eight and nine. Handle their, yeah, got to give them credit for their their still losing season. Uh, we understand that. With, yeah, we we understand they went eight. We and understand 10 that with the uh, with the playoff loss to the Cowboys. If they handle business in the NFC South when they play their opponents twice a year next year, that honestly might be all that it takes. Like if they go four and two, they just need to find four more wins on the schedule next season. So um, still a lot to go in free agency. We're going to talk plenty about it this entire week. So before we wrap up the show, let's just hear a quick message from our friends over at age rejuvenation as we age our hormones decrease both for men and women i was tired all the time had no sex drive i was groggy i felt like i was 80 years old because everything hurt i came to age rejuvenation because 
I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Folks, I love age rejuvenation, but come on. There's a couple things in there. I feel like I'm 18 again. Nah, you don't feel like you're 18. Uh, I, I feel like I can shop again. What woman doesn't like to shop at any age? Come on now. Let's let's be real. Uh, listen, I don't feel like I'm 18 again, but you know what? I feel like I'm 40 again. And when you're 50 years old, 40 sounds damn good. And I feel pretty damn good. Why is that? Because of the testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation. Folks, when you are a guy and you hit your sometimes 30s even, but for me, it was my 40s. I felt more sluggish. I felt like I was getting old for the first time. That's the testosterone leaving your body. It's a natural process, but you can help reverse that and fix that with testosterone therapy at age rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com, sign up for their free, no risk, no obligation consultation, and they'll do your blood work. Your insurance will pay for it, and you'll find out your testosterone level. And if you need testosterone therapy, I recommend getting it. $500 off when you mention Pewter Report for your first treatment. It's a fantastic deal. Look at John Gilmore. Holy smokes. That guy's 43. Good friend of mine. He looks like he could still play. Maybe not for the Buccaneers, but for the his, his Penn State and the Lions. I mean, he's he's uh, in great shape for 43. So a lot of people taking advantage of Age Rejuvenation's special. Make sure you do that. There's five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Age Rejuvenation. Uh, look better. Feel better with Age Rejuvenation. And uh, make sure you check out while you're at it. If you're a fan of PewterReport.com, if you like the podcast and all the content that we churn out, uh, please follow us on our social media at PewterReport on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at PewterReportTV. We had a ton of likes on yesterday's show. Hopefully we can get a lot on uh, today tonight's as well. Forgot what we were doing at 7 p.m. We're going to have two more shows this week, tomorrow on Wednesday and Thursday, both at 7 p.m. Make sure you tune in for that. We'll see what deal happens yeah. next. There's for the going to be a quarterback at some point in time this year. There's going to be a quarterback week, and they're they going to figure out linebacker as well. Yeah. So a couple of positions, hopefully that'll happen over the next two days while we run the show. Uh, but in the meantime, for Bailey Adams, we also call him BA uh, at times for <laughs> Scott Reynolds. We call him SR. I'm Matt Matera. You can call me. Matty M, MGM, if you want to do that. My middle name starts with a G. But anyway. Bodega. Yeah, Bodega. Uh, for the three of us, we're saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you all tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. 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 Peace. Come back, Levante. Please, Come back. Levante. One more Come year. Come back. Maybe two more Come years. back, Levante.